so gratitude gives you perspective. So gratitude is the reality giver. Gratitude allows you to take nothing and turn it into a possibility, become inspired about that possibility and make it a probability. And then through action, the law of Goya, getting off your ass, you actually can take your probability and make it your perspective. Only with gratitude. Only with gratitude can you take anything and find the light, the love, and the lessons in it. Only with gratitude can you find what you love to do in every activity. Activity you get paid for, activity you don't get paid for. This is Better Wealth with Caleb Williams. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of the Better Wealth Podcast. In today's episode, I had the opportunity to sit down with Dave Meltzer and had one of the most fire interviews of my life. Um, This guy is packed full of energy, wisdom, and you're going to see that firsthand. Um, He was on my dream list of people of who I wanted to have on the show. I, I remember getting introduced to him when I first started Better Wealth. He just had so much wisdom around money, around value, around communication, uh, and and has a great TED talk. He's he's the co-founder of Sports One Marketing, super into the sports marketing world. Um, by the way, just to, as a teaser, he in two thousand eight he lost over a hundred million dollars. He's had this crazy roller coaster of as an entrepreneur has learned so much. When he first started sharing his story, he got emotional on my podcast, and that just tells you why. He has an ever-increasing following and how much I respect him because he he cares so deeply about what we're doing. And um, man, I just I just love it. And more of his bio is his life's mission is to empower over a billion people to be happy. The simple yet powerful mission has led him on an incredible journey to provide one thing, value. And if you watch, listen to his content, if you watch his content, you'll see that. I asked him a really interesting question around money following value. And he not only agreed with that, but he answered it in such a way that he answered it better than I've ever heard answer around money and value. Um, it, it literally like, I was like, oh, that's unbelievable. Um, and then here's just some of the things that he's known for. So he has three-time international best-selling author, a top 100 business coach, and um, the executive producer producer of an entrepreneur's number one digital business show he, on Elevator Pitch, host of the Entrepreneur Podcast, uh, The Playbook. He has a new book, Game Time Decision Making, which is phenomenal. Um, and he's just he's just an unbelievable person. One of the things that I want to plug, uh, plug this at, he plugs this at the end, but I really would love everyone to check this out, is Dave has every week on Friday a free training, totally free training where he just gives, 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 gives. Um, the link in that will be uh, below. It's it's dmelser.com slash training, and uh, you will definitely want to check that out. So without further ado, oh, one last thing I want to say. there He has a rant where he does swear a couple times. Now, this is a family-friendly show, and um, I I really debated just bleeping that out. And and I what I end up wanting to do is I just want to warn you, if you have a family, if you don't want to hear that, please reach out to me. Um, we will on our team, if we get enough people reaching out, we will work on a on a different version to send to you because it's such a good interview. Um, but I, I really don't want to alter um, his words around that. And I, and I just want to respect him in that. And I think it was beautifully said. And so I just, I just want to warn you there because, uh, for the most part, you're not going to hear me swear. And, and most, most of the people that I have on the show, uh, avoid swearing as well. So without further ado, here's Dave Meltzer. David, welcome to the show. And I just want to open up by saying this. I don't know if you remember me, but I saw you speak about a year and a half ago 
at an event in Arizona. And I'm, and again, I have this like big audacious mission of helping a ton of people at a million people in the next five years. And when hearing you speak, I just got a sense of like relief and a sense of like going back to my deep roots. And you have so many amazing things that you talk about. And I, I just want you to know when I first started my business, your concept of staying in business was one of the things that I constantly went back to um, because we had some, we had a, we had a rough first year and, and I just want to, again, out of gratitude, I, we, you're, you're known around the office as the gratitude king. I, I just want to start off by saying thank you for your message and thank you for your generosity as it relates to sharing um, all the positive things that you're sharing on the internet. Right on, man. Well, I'm glad that uh, you actually listen because sometimes it's not what I say, it's what people hear. And I know that certain things that I try to convey have helped me through the challenges of being first year entrepreneur, through the challenges of big audacious goals where everyone's laughing at me, making fun of me. And it's great to know that not only seeds that I plant with young people will grow trees that I won't sit under, it's sure nice to be sitting under a tree that I do get to sit under with you, Caleb. So thank you for having me. I, I love it. And there's so many things that I want to uh, delve into. What, what I would love is your story is so, um, so foundational to your message. And so this, this show is Better Wealth. I'm really passionate about helping people know that they are their greatest asset, get super clear on what's important to them. And then one of our principles as a company is consistency, which I know you, you know a thing or two about. Um, and so what I would love to do is get a quick, quick backstory because I know that you've made a lot and you've lost a lot and you've learned from that. And then I would love to focus the rest of the show is of someone that really wants to maximize wealth. Number one, what does that mean? Number two, what are some wisdom that we can, that we can learn from and gain as it relates to making wealth, keeping wealth, and, and what it really means to be wealthy? Sure. Of course, I think my journey is one about wealth in the relationship to wealth and money. And you can see the sign behind me says money doesn't buy happiness. That was a, a lesson, uh, a 40-year lesson, a journey that I took. One, because I, through most of my career and most of my life, believe that money buys happiness and love. Everything that I did, every affirmation of my successes and failures, all were indicative of money buying love and happiness. And so for me, I wanted to be rich at a very young age. And the reason is, is I was super happy. I believe I was born with a quantum happiness gene. So I have an advantage over a lot of people, uh, just like people have advantages over me playing basketball. I have a happiness advantage over people because I was born with a quantum happiness gene. And so my uh, glass was not half full. It was overflowing at all times. And the only time it wasn't overflowing was when my mom uh, would be extremely stressed or crying or sad about financial stresses. So for me, having six kids, a single mom, working two jobs, packing my dinner in a paper bag, driving us to the second job so she could fill turnstiles at the convenience stores with greeting cards, complete humility with her graduate degree, sitting there and only worried about how to feed her children. I said to myself, man, I'm going to be rich. I'm going to be wealthy. I'm going to buy my mom a house and a car. And <laughs> to this day, I still get emotional because it meant that much to me. Um, and it should. I think, like you, you talked about earlier, thanks for the advice of uh, staying in business. You know, you're not going to stay in business unless you feel the way that I feel. You're not going to make a lot of money unless you feel the way that I feel. And 
I, I don't apologize for it at 52 years old, choking up on interview after interview because I care that much and it meant that much uh, to me. And it still does. And so I, you know, enjoyed the consistent every day, persistent without quit pursuit of my potential, whether it be to be a professional football player, which that dream ended very early when I got ran over in college, my very first play by Christian Okoye, uh, to being a doctor. And that dream ended when I found out doctors needed to uh, be in hospitals and I hated hospitals, which by the way is when I learned the most valuable lesson of being more interested than interesting. And when kids tell me what they want to be, I always say, make sure you're more interested than interesting. Know what you're talking about. Because I was an 18-year-old that didn't even realize that doctors had to study in hospitals, no matter what type of doctor they wanted to become. Then I wanted to be a lawyer. And this uh, progression is one that's very common with younger people. Because my mom believed doctor, lawyer, or failure. And I know so many kids that are under that pressure. I know kids that are under the pressure that the fetus isn't fully developed till after graduate school. And I know they're ultimately under the pressure that just because our parents love us, that they must give us good advice and we must listen to our parents. You must listen to your parents, but you don't have to take their advice. Think about what I just said. You must listen to your parents, but you don't have to take their advice. Take it like a handful of sand. Hold on to the gems that they give you about the things that you want to vote for in your life. And then go ahead and be grateful for the rest, but let them go. Anyway, I graduated law school with two job offers. Another great lesson. I got a job offer to be an oil and gas litigator, make a lot of money. Or I kept my options open because I believed opposite of that sign behind me, man. I was going to make as much money. So there was a sales job for $250,000 comp plan selling legal research online in 1992. I asked my mom what job I should take. Without blinking, she tells me I need to be a real lawyer and the internet's a fad. And, yeah. <laughs> you know, thank God I didn't listen to her. Nine months out of law school, I was a millionaire. I bought my mom a house in a car, reaffirming everything we just thought, said. Went, sold that company in 95. Uh, they sold it for $3.4 billion in 1995. I went to the Silicon Valley, raised hundreds of millions of dollars, ended up CEO of the world's first smartphone, marrying my dream girl. Every single thing in my life just said, money buys happiness and love. You're so lucky. Money buys happiness and love. You have everything. Meanwhile, I had shifted my life from a world of not enough, where I was a victim, looking at why me, and I moved to the world of try me and made you know millions and millions of dollars, but I lived in the world of just enough, just enough for me. So things transferred from just happening to me to happening for me. And I started buying things I didn't need, things to make me happy, things to impress people uh, that I didn't even like. And mm. my life became shallow and unhappy. And what I learned through that journey, two years before I lost everything, you know, I had to hit rock bottom. Uh, I did end up losing all my money in 2008, over a hundred million. But two years before that, I realized that I had lost something more important uh, than my money. Uh, I had lost my values. Uh, gratitude, as you know, like you said, uh, my perspective. I had lost the ability to find the light, the love and the lessons in everything. I'd lost my forgiveness. I was, you know, completely in a state of, you know, shame and then accountability. I lived in a world of blame, shame, and justification, below the line living, unhappy living. And although I was motivated, although I was philanthropic, my entire life was a trade and negotiation. There was conditions and judgments on every single thing that I did. Although I believe the more that I gave, the more I would get, 
I realized that's the wrong paradigm because I shifted in 2006 into a world of abundance, a world of more than enough, a world of more than enough of everything for everyone where things come through me with appreciation, gratitude, and me adding value, not only concentrating on clearing the connection to what I'm always connected to, this unbelievable source of light, love, and lessons, unbelievable source of power, but allowing it to come through me for others and clearing that connection as well, that I'm connected to everything and everyone and utilizing this unbelievable new perspective that I no longer gave so I could get with conditions, judgments, acknowledgement, recognition, trading, negotiating, but instead I now opened up a world where I receive so I can give. I know that I'm motivated, converted, and inspired in order to create abundance for others through me. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. And I think it's very evident when you share your story that the fact that you get emotional is is so special because it's it's not just words, but it's I can feel energy. I know you talk a lot about energy. Um, you also talk a lot about failure. And I know for me, when I first started this, my business, I'm in the financial service business and I wrote a book on money. And there was this time that I had to like look at myself and say, like, the reason I'm scared is I'm afraid of failing and being like, I, I feared poverty, but I was never going to be on the street because my parents would never let me. But I feared what other people would think about me. The, to the people out there that are, that are not living the life that they should be living because they're afraid of what their mom will say, their dad will say, what, their, what the community will say, like, how do you walk them through? Because we don't want to raise up people that are just like, you know, screw you. Like, we, we want to be thoughtful. And you talk a lot about forgiveness and empathy. But then how do you understand that you have one life? and live to the fullest. So how do you talk to someone that is stuck somewhere and trying to make tough decisions? Yeah, I think a lot that happens in our lives are a blend. And we have to blend one thing in with how we're feeling, how we're acting, how we're thinking. And it's faith. I know it's interesting to talk about in a pragmatic business setting or in a financial services world. But faith is a very important thing. Uh, as an entrepreneur, faith will give you the time aspect in order to succeed. It'll allow you to stay in business. Faith will allow you to take into consideration everyone's values and align them, find which ones are synergistic, supplementary to your own values. The faith that you have can blend a very pragmatic, quantitative monetization of an opportunity and allow you to see a greater good one that is aligned with how you feel. And so what I like to do is talk about the transition from uh, money being your thermostat, right? So what happens is your success or money is now what defines you. So I'm not going to feel good if my bank account is low, if my business goes out of business, if I don't do what other people, whatever it is that's defining you, instead of allowing the way you feel right, as your thermostat, and allow all those other things, where you go to school, what you do, all these definitions and judgments and conditions, let them be ingredients in the mercury of how you feel, but they're not the, the thermometer itself. And so you're looking at someone whose absolute thermometer was my bank account, mm. right? And so my entire identity was tied to the fact of how much money I could make and how successful I was. And I was terrified for what other people thought of me. 
And what I realized was, and it's hard for everyone, and this will be the quote of this interview, I, I rarely say this, the interesting thing about people who worry about what other people think of them, I'm here to break the news. Nobody gives a shit about you. Nobody cares. And in, in the end, listen to me, in the end, your own parents who have every right to care about what you're doing, how successful you are, even they don't care if your business is succeeding or not. Your, your parents, at best, Four things they care about. One, that you're healthy. Two, that you're happy. Three, that you love them. And four, that you appreciate them. Note, none of those four things at the highest level to the people that are most relative to you in your life, that gave you birth, that brought light into and electricity through you, none of them give a shit. No matter what they say or what you think of how successful you are, where you graduate school, whether you're valedictorian or flunkedictorian, it doesn't matter to them. At the very best, the greatest parents of all only care about four things. Are you healthy, happy? Do you appreciate them and love them? So stop worrying about what idiots think about what you or some general deposited you, you know, an anomaly of social media crowds and followers. I don't give a shit. And it's not because I don't care, right? It's because I do care. I do care about my values that are aligned with a philosophy of being kind and creating abundance and empowering over a billion people to be happy. And because I am so certain of that at such a, an old age, then I can be happy and I don't give a shit if people don't understand me or they're going to attack me or they're going to say negative things or they're going to laugh at me or scoff at me. Because I'll tell you the time people most scoff, and they've done it my whole life, right? But you go ahead, connect the dots backwards on my career, right? CEO of the world's first smartphone, CEO of Lee Steinberg Sports Entertainment, CEO of Sports One Marketing, Number one podcast in entrepreneur space, the playbook. Number one elevator pitch digital show. All these things. But when I started all of them, people were like, what do you, speaker, top 10 Forbes speaker. What, when I wrote a book, what, laughing. And then the greatest audacious laughter came when I said, hey, I'm going to empower over a billion people to be happy. That's my life mission now. And people were like, are you, you think you're Jesus, man? Who do you think you are? Your brother's the rat. No, no. I don't care and neither should you because I'm happy, I'm healthy, I love you and appreciate you, everyone. And I'm clearing that connection. So that's a huge point. And I've really never in an interview gone that directly at it, but it's such a big deal because so many people waste their lives worrying about people that don't give a shit about you. Uh, the gift that I'm working on just for our community is your life in the form of months and filling in all the months that you've lived and getting you to think about one life because it's the greatest gift. And yet so many people are playing it safe and not living their life. And, and so when it comes to their one life, when it comes to regrets, anything else that you want to add? You know, I think enjoying the consistency, which leads to enjoying the persistency, which leads to enjoying the pursuit. But it doesn't work unless you know one thing. And you said it earlier, which I was really proud of you. You said the what. You know, so many people are so concerned about this why. Let me just tell you this. Everyone's why is to help somebody or something mostly that's closest to you. Whatever that something or someone is, it's close to you. That's your why. And then we use our why as an excuse because we can't figure out what it is that we want to enjoy pursuing. 
And instead of saying today, here's the inventory of my values. So therefore, according to my values, I want to pursue this. And it's okay that tomorrow I may not want to pursue it anymore. I may want to pursue a pivot from there, permission from there, a permeation of that. I'm a hypocrite. I love hypocrites. You know why? Because they're the ones who are expanding, growing, changing, and learning. I don't like people that have been the same since they're 18 years old. They, they don't, they're not attractive to me. I don't want them around me. I want people that are making mistakes all the time, that are going for it, and that are learning from it and have something to teach me as well. I have to give you credit. I also have to give Gary Gary V credit and some of the other authors that I've got to read when I first was start before I started college. And it was this mindset of you talk a lot about empathy. And I believe that was my superpower. I took over a bank's investment department when I was 19 years old. I looked a whole lot younger than I do now. And my ability to serve people was not because I was that smart. It was because I truly could understand them. And then you also talk about gratitude. And I, I, am, I live a grateful life. Like I love this. And so I, I, it was a form of me reading books, me watching people like you. And you talk about, and you have a TED talk that's really well done. You talk about empathy. And you also talk about gratitude equaling success. Can you unpack that for a second? Yeah, sure. So gratitude gives you perspective. So gratitude is the reality giver. Gratitude allows you to take nothing and turn it into a possibility, become inspired about that possibility and make it a probability. And then through action, the law of Goya, getting off your ass, you actually can take your probability and make it your perspective. Only with gratitude. Only with gratitude can you take anything and find the light, the love, and the lessons in it. Only with gratitude can you find what you love to do in every activity. Activity you get paid for, activity you don't get paid for. But if we're living in that perspective, we want to live a peaceful existence within it. We want to live in neutral. What happens is without forgiveness, we can go ahead and accelerate through motivation of the ego-based consciousness, a need to be right and offended and separate and inferior and superior and anxious and frustrated and worried and resentful and angry and all these things that we don't even realize put us into a trajectory that's so far away from what we want that have created so many void shortages and obstacles, corrosions and interferences to what we actually want. So forgiveness gives us peace. Empathy gives us peace. And that peace allows us to move with a ferocious attitude in the right direction. So everyone's going to have ego-based emotions. They're going to be scared or angry or upset. The thing is, how quickly can you get back into forgiveness? How quickly can you get into? And we do that through gratitude plus forgiveness. And then when we have the coincidences that we want that occur from paying attention to what we want, giving intention to it with gratitude and forgiveness, we now have to be accountable for the result. Once we become accountable, now we become certain or in control of our lives because we know, number one, we did everything to attract it to ourselves. There's no luck, just a mathematical occurrence of a coincidence. And two, that there's a lesson bat bagged up into that thing, right? So what did I do to attract it? What am I supposed to learn from it? Pain is a definition for me of very simply, pain is like a turn signal on your car. It's an indicator. It's an indicator you have a lesson to learn, a better way to go. It's going to get you to a better place or make your place better. So if you see pain as an indicator that you have a lesson to learn, mental, physical, spiritual, emotional, financial pain, you then can take gratitude and have the perspective of finding the life, the love, and lessons. You can live in peace and with control, which what? Gives you the ultimate 
inspiration, living in spirit without the interferences and corrosions. You actually can live in the flow, a world of more than enough. So things just come through you for others. You receive so you can give. There's so many, there's so many questions that are going on in my head, but I, I want to kind of summarize what you're saying by like going back to your mission of empowering a billion people be happy. At Better Wealth, we, we have this concept of like, you're not wealthy if you're not living intentionally. I know you may change some words out. How, you, how do you define happiness and why the word happy? And it's interesting because I follow both you and Gary and he starts talking about happiness a ton. And I'm sure you've had a, a, a part to play in that. And it's just really cool that you guys are using your platforms to share this message. Yeah. And so, I mean, people get caught up in the distinction between happiness and joy it's the same concept of living to your higher self, right? So joy, happiness, and truth are all interrelated at the highest vibration uh, that makes us feel good, right? And so for me, happiness is the enjoyment of the consistent, persistent pursuit of my potential, the enjoyment part, right? That's And then the more that I do that, uh, the greater that I'll feel and the more I can share and empower others to feel the same way. Uh, and it's an, an essential thing for every day for that to be my guidepost because people that are happy, uh, you know, they don't attack other people. Uh, they, they are abundant. They have everything and enough of everything for everyone. People that are happy usually don't even get sick. Why? Because happiness is the best virus. It strengthens you. Uh, your mental, physical, spiritual, financial being is all strengthened by happiness, including your immune system. So it actually protects us. Uh, and so I think happiness is critical for Gary and myself and many, many others. I think the biggest irony of my teaching life is that I've changed so many lives like yours, Caleb, and I'm grateful for the acknowledgement of it, but I've done it by articulating in a different way, two of the oldest lessons that are ever given ones that you learn probably before you could speak. Someone told you to say, thank you. Uh, and the other one is to ask. And those two things more than anything else, some of them hyper conscious, hyper uh, engineered, hyper complex issues from the Course in Miracles or Wayne Dyer or Dispenza or Deepak, you know, things that are way, way out there in its simplicity. If I can just teach people to be grateful and to ask, uh, you will have everything, enough of everything. And I get it all the time. Thank you so much. You changed my life. I've been saying thank you for 30 straight days. Thank you. I asked and you won't believe the business deal I got. I'm thinking to myself, I must be the biggest scammer ever that people give me credibility because I taught them to say thank you and ask. Here's a challenge for my audience. Um, David talks, challenges you to do say thank you morning and evening, and most of you guys will not do it consistently, but it will change your life if you do it. Um, I'm going to combine two questions in one. I'm a firm believer of, of money follows value. I think a lot of times when you look at young entrepreneurs, they get this like they get over romantic about certain things, but they're not thinking about money follows value. The other thing that you talk about is over, um, you talk about over buying or overselling and understanding buy low, sell high kind of deal. I wonder if you can articulate that both. And then I, and I know we got to wrap this up. Um, but those two things I wanted to really unpack with you because I really think that's a tactic. That's like a mindset that regardless of what industry you're in, you can dominate. Yeah, I think I have a Barney rule, right? Too many people are stuck in subjective value. Uh, Barney is the purple dinosaur that you guys probably know better than me. But I see so many people in business, they're living their life like Barney. I love you. You love me. Nobody makes any money. You know, it's a knickknack, paddywhack. It's all a joke. That's why you are effing broke. Uh, so 
don't live your life that way. The, the value in money uh, correlation is very simple. That providing value is one thing, but articulating the quantified value is another, right? And so I think a lot of people try to do business under the presumption of subjective value. Well, thus, they have a difficult time. If you can't tie in and articulate quantitative reasons, quantitative impact, and quantitative capability to numbers, resources, hours, time, real math, to a point where you can ask, can you see any reason you won't want to move forward? Then you haven't been able to convert the value that would bring money. So what happens is people get confused because they're like, I'm providing so much value. And they, yeah, but you haven't been able to articulate it or display it or convince someone of it. Because if you could, I promise you, they would give you the money. The money would come. And to that respect, that's why I look for things that are oversold and overbought. Because the margins of millionaires are statistically made that people buy on emotion for logical reasons. If you can find something that's oversold, and the best way to find something that's oversold is find someone who's an expert in an industry that's lived 30 or 40 years with experience in that industry and ask them, hey, is this thing oversold? Or is this overbought? And then ask them again to sell it on the backside. That's where the margins are millionaire made. It's guaranteed. I was on the phone today with Exotic Car Dealer. And that's exactly what he does, right? He buys cars that are oversold and sells them when they're overbought. And he creates huge margins knowing that exotic cars are people that who are buying on emotion for logical reasons. So if on emotion they've oversold them, it's time to buy. If on emotion they've overbought them, it's time to sell. And in between there, because of the high value of exotic cars, you can make some serious cash. But they are able to articulate and quantify the value, the reasons, yeah. impacts, and capabilities. And, and that, my friend, like is powerful. And I would love some time in the future to go deeper because it, wherever you are, that's, that's a principle. Last question. This is your last day on earth. Let's say this is your last conversation. What are you going to pass on to the people that you love the most in, in your last conversation with them? If it was you know, today. It's simple. It's anyone, uh, whatever degree of relativity they have to me, I would simply remind them of kindness, to be kind to your future self, do good deeds. That's it. I get emotional about it again because it means so much and people just don't listen to it. But I promise you, if you're sitting there stressed, depressed, anxious, frustrated, angry, suicidal, go do something for someone else. And if you can't find someone else, go pick up some trash, put a garbage cart back, but do something as a good deed instantly. Instantly, your mind, body, and soul will transform itself into positivity and abundance. It will start making room for everything that you want. I promise you, it's a simple cure to a simple life. Be kind to your future self. Do good deeds. Join me every Friday for my training. I will teach you more of this on simply how to make money, help people, and have fun. David, thank you so much. Um, I appreciate your message, and I, I'm just I'm so grateful for uh, your your work. Thank you. Thanks, Caleb. Take care. Thank you for the opportunity. Thank you so much for listening to the Better Wealth Podcast. It would mean the world to me if you could hit subscribe, leave a review, and share this with the people that you know and love.